0: You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, today I'm going to talk about the peace of God through faith. And it's Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. We're in series 8, in number 8 of the series on Romans. I'm going to start with the first two verses. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. In the midst of these peerless times, many people are looking and longing for peace. But of course we know that no real peace is ever going to happen until the Prince of Peace comes back. Unless a person knows Jesus as their personal Savior, peace is an elusive thing. In chapter 4, we see that through faith, we can obtain the righteousness that God ascribes to by believing in Jesus and putting our total faith in him. Through his death and resurrection on the cross, he has offered us a guarantee. Total redemption and justification through his blood. That is awesome. We are justified in his sight, the Bible says. He sees us as if we had never sinned. When we commit our lives to him, ask his forgiveness, and begin to serve him, he sees us as if we had never sinned. This is great news because if it were not for Jesus, we would be separated from God for all of eternity. Romans 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'd rather have the gift than the wages. Wouldn't you? Our sin brought with it death and separation from God. Jesus paid the price for sin once and for all as he stood in the gap for us. He was our substitute. The Bible had declared that everyone who sins must die. And Jesus died so we would never have to die. Real death is not just separation from the body. It is total separation from God. Romans 5.1 shows us how amazing God's grace is and how much he loves us. we accepted this glorious offer of faith. And this resulted in a complete forgiveness and acceptance into God's forever family. It's amazing when you think about it. Just a simple deciding in my heart that I'm going to serve Jesus, that I'm going to accept him into my life. And just having a little conversation with God that I agree with your word that I am a sinner, that I agree with your word that Jesus died and paid for my sins, and I accept that as a full pardon for my life, can make me a child of God. Complete forgiveness and acceptance into God's forever family now we have peace with God, and this brings me to my first point, peace with God. Jesus wants his people to experience peace. I, in, in John chapter 16, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And because we know Jesus, we have peace with God. This peace is a fact. It has nothing to do with our feelings. It's all about what God has done for us in and through Jesus Christ. I can be feeling down and out. But when I focus on him, when I remind myself of the promises that God has made, there is a deep, settled peace that comes into my heart. And because of Jesus' death on the cross, I have peace with God. God and I are at peace with each other. This peace is a fact This peace with God is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through him, because of who he is and and what he has done on the cross, everyone who believes in him possesses this peace right now. Sometimes it takes us a while to realize that. But everyone who have said, Lord, I'm a sinner, forgive me, come into my heart, you possess that peace. There is no enmity between you and God anymore. You are not an enemy of God anymore if you're a child of God. In John 14, 27 He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Be at peace. The creator of this universe says, I've got your back. I hold you in my hands. I see everything that's going on in your life, and I want you to know that I'm there for you. This peace with God fills us with confidence and and joy and rejoicing, even in the time of great struggles. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul refers to the peace of God that passes all understanding. He tells us that that this peace brings comfort in situations when we pray. And this peace is so awesome that it will surpass our understanding. And sometimes some of us feel guilty because we're feeling so good when everything is falling down around our ears. It's amazing how you can stand up, how you can be strong in a crisis when you look to Jesus Christ, when you don't forget that he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So no matter what you're going through, he's there with you all along. The word rejoice or joyfully May be translated boast or glory in good and bad situations. And we who know the Lord can rejoice in both. The salvation we have in Jesus Christ prohibits boasting or glorying or rejoicing in our own actions. As Paul has already said in Romans chapter 3 27, boasting is excluded. We don't boast in what I have done. We can boast in what God has done through me, but not what I have done. I have not pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I am not a self-made man. All that I am and all that I ever hope to be is because of Jesus Christ, is because God loved me that I'm his creation. And he has a plan for me. And I've decided that I'm going to follow that plan. On the other hand, it promotes boasting in what God has done and what God has given us in Christ. Our confidence is not in ourselves, but in the certain assurance of God's glory. And that brings me to my second point, the glory of God. The glory of God is the proof of his presence. It instills a picture in our minds of the majesty and the presence of God. We think of of the glory of his creation when he said let there be light. We think of God appearing to Moses in the burning bush, the bush that was burning but not being consumed. We think God moving back the waters of the Red Sea in two walls, and the children of Israel passing through as on dry ground. We remember how God led Israel to the promised land by fire and by a cloud. We think of the finger of God writing the Ten Commandments for Moses on the mountaintop. We think of Moses descending Mount Sinai having spent 40 days in the presence of God and his face was shining so brightly with the glory of God that they had to cover his face because the people couldn't look on him. We think of the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove as he was being baptized in water by John. The voice of God, the Father from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. All of these are a picture of the glory of God. We think of his transfiguration on the mount. We read of the blind seeing and the deaf hearing. Demons uh, possessed people being set free and the dead being raised back to life. That's the glory of God. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The things that I do, I do not do anything unless he shows me, unless he tells me. Today, we see transformed lives. That's the glory of God people that choose to follow him and are still willing to lay down their very lives for the sake of the gospel. We see ordinary people become extraordinary. We see the natural become supernatural. We gather in this place and praise and worship in song and in his presence so that, and it's so real, his presence is so real that we can reach out and touch him. That's the glory of God. As we stood in worship and praised the Lord for 30 minutes or so this morning, we experienced the power and the presence of God. That's his glory. God is revealing himself in supernatural ways. You sense his presence, his glory, and there's revelation in the house. And that's the way it should be. God is revealing his glory to his people. And in moments like these, we could sing that old song we used to sing one time, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angel wings, and I see glory on each face. Because surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. The glory of God is still around. God is still showing himself to people. In 2018, we're experiencing his, his glory. Change gears here a little bit. Suffering. is a common human perception that suffering is a punishment for sin. That if something bad happens to me, then there must be sin in my life. <laughs> We can see this quite easily in frequently asked questions, such as, what have I done to deserve this? Why do innocent people suffer? Why do innocent children suffer? Why do bad things happen to good people? And Paul is teaching something quite different here, isn't he? Romans five verses three and five, three to five says, "We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strength, strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Suffering is not because of our sin or lack of faith. Let me say that again. Suffering is not because of sin or our lack of faith. It's not evidence that God is punishing us or that God does not love us. Sometimes he may be taking some of us to the woodshed and giving us a little spanking. But he's certainly not judging us. Suffering and sickness and pain is a result of the fall and sin entering the world. Human physical life was created to live forever, but sin interrupted that plan. Genesis 3 tells us that God drove them from the garden lest they would eat from the tree of life and live forever. Before that, they were sinless. But Adam's sin made suffering a part of human existence we inherited Adam's sin nature. As always, we see that God uses the very thing that Satan means for destruction to strengthen us in situations we face to be more effective in his kingdom. Even though Satan is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy, God has a plan so that we can be set free. Amen? Amen? So, suffering produces patience, endurance, strength of character. Suffering strengthens our faith in the finished work of Calvary. And so we have a confident hope, assurance that we will not be disappointed, that we will not be defeated. We are confident of the Father's love for us. He has given the comfort of the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with hope and love. As the hymn writer said, oh, the love that drew salvation's plan Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Because mercy there was great and grace was free. And pardon there was multiplied to me. And there my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. It must really frustrate the devil. When he has attacked one of God's children still, God brings them back to wholeness. It matters not what trial. It could have been a life-threatening illness. It may have been months and maybe years of debilitating pain. Maybe an addiction that robbed someone of family and friends and possessions. But oh, what a difference when Jesus passed by. Now they're healed. Now they're forgiven. Now they are restored in Jesus' name. There's another person who is going through the same deep valley. It was What sometimes is referred to as the dark night of the soul. You wonder when it's ever going to end. Some days everything is looking good and you're thinking, well, praise the Lord. Finally it's kicking in. My faith is kicking in. Things are looking good. I'm on the mend. Only to have a setback. the dark night of the soul. Then along comes this man or woman who has been set free and ministers hope and healing to this one in need and the devil suffers another defeat. They don't have to wait for the next evangelist to come to town. They don't have to wait for the next conference. But that power is in the hands of every believer because these signs shall follow those that believe in my name they shall cast out devils they shall heal the sick lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed there is nothing too difficult for him and he's just looking for people who will reach out to so say, Lord, I will be your instrument in your hands. I will do this thing for you. And he will work through me. He will work through you. Paul explains how it works in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Our trials can be turned into victory for us and for others. He says in 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. That's the God we serve. That's the promise we have. And even when we are going through difficulties, doesn't matter what it is. It could be a relationship that's gone bad. It could be a financial situation that has hit rock bottom. Could be a sickness that the doctor has no cure for. But our God is able to do the exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. And so we do not doubt him. We believe his word. We stand on the word even when we can't understand what's happening. We don't understand why it's lasting so long. But we keep believing because one day, only one day, it only takes a minute of time, a second of time, when Jesus passes by. And that thing that you've prayed and held on to God for so long and sometimes felt that, why, I, 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 I'm doing this, but I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Then all of a sudden you get an answer to your prayer and you realize it's worth it. It's worth trusting the Lord, even when you don't understand Amen. So in conclusion, and I'm going to go down to the floor and let our worship team get ready here. I want to thank God that he knows what he's doing. I want to thank God that maybe you didn't plan on coming to church this morning, but something prompted you to come, some situation, and so you find yourself in this room right now. Our God is never late, he's always on time. In Romans chapter five, verse six and eight, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came as a just and right, at at just the right time. He died for us, sinners. Now most people would be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God, showing his great love for us by sending Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When you and I were at our worst, God still loved us. And since we've been saved and redeemed, justified, he can't love me any more now than he loved me the day, my darkest, most wicked day in my life. His love is constant. Amen? Amen. God saved us when we were totally unable to save ourselves, utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time and died for us. God didn't wait for us to improve our behavior or to clean up our act. If you are saying, i one of those days, I'm going to be a Christian, but first of all, I got to get my life straightened out. Never happen, it'll never happen, folks. You come just as you are. Come stoned. Come drunk as a skunk. Come just as you are. He reached to us in love and mercy knowing we could not buy our own salvation, he bought it for us. No amount of money, good works, or self-righteousness could save us. The price demanded by God was innocent, sinless blood, and Jesus was the only one that qualified. A sinless man had to take our place the man Christ Jesus. Jesus died for us while we were still in sin with no hope to change. A songwriter penned it this way. He came down to our level when we couldn't get up to his. Isn't that amazing? He came down to my level when I couldn't reach up to his. This, my friends, is how the Father shows his great love for us. And it rings loud and clear in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is the amazing grace that we sing about so often. Now, here's something for you to chew on. Before every one of us accepted Jesus as our Savior, we were enemies of God. That can make some people uncomfortable. but it's truth. That's what the Bible says. We were God's enemy. Romans 5, 9 to 11. Since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus Christ, he will certainly save us from condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies. He will certainly, We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful renewed relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Do you have this wonderful new relationship with God? Do you know him as your personal savior? Are you God's enemy? Or are you his friend? Jesus shed his life blood so that you can be a friend of God. Before the flood, Genesis 6, 3, God said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Holy Spirit is striving with you right now. And you should be so thankful that he is. Because it's not a good situation. When as Roman talks about God gives up on you. God gives you over to your own sinfulness. God has spared your life a number of times. You could give testimony of how close you came to death. You know what lengths God has gone to to bring you to a point like this. God loves you just as you are. Doesn't matter what your life is like right now. He can change that in a moment of time. Don't you think it's time to stop running? Say, okay, Lord, I surrender to you today. I surrender to you. This is your day to receive Jesus Christ into your life. I've asked the worship team to sing a song, He Knows My Name and He Knows Your Name. And while everyone is setting up, people are doing the different duties that they have to do to get ready for Connect Sunday. If you need Jesus as your Savior, you need to Rededicate your life to the Lord. I want to meet you up here. So regardless of what's going on, let's have a meeting with God up here at the front. Amen. You've been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.